Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, there we go. Let me welcome you here today and offer you a few announcements. Uh, we have, um, this day is library visit day, so at the proper time, children follow the leaders to the library. I also want to tell you that we uh, presented our graduates at a 9 o'clock service with, um, with uh, special attention and th their information will be in this coming week's bulletin. I want to show, remind you that the new bulletin format that we're using is a work in progress, but please note that if you have news or announcements, don't hold them as you did in the past. Send them on in as you have them. We'll have room to put, we think we'll have room for, for expanded uh, communication. Joy, Dr. Joy Hudson wants to give us an announcement about the Sunday School. In the United Methodist Baptismal Liturgy, the pastor asks the congregation, will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and include this child now before you in your care? Of course, we respond, we will. All of us as a church have been charged with teaching our youngest members to become disciples in Christ. At Memorial each Sunday, there are eight Sunday school classes for children and youth. This totals to almost 400 classes per year. Fortunately, as I was looking at our new pictorial directory, I found 123 adults who count themselves as members of our adult Sunday school classes. That means that there are 123 adults in this church who think Sunday school is important. Just think if every one of these adults contributed to the teaching of our children, nurturing them in the Christian faith as we agreed to do at their baptisms, then each adult would only have to teach three or four Sundays per year. I think we can all agree that this is not a big time commitment. Please consider teaching our children, giving them the gift of your wisdom as a disciple of Christ. It's only four Sundays a year. Katie, Michelle, and I will be visiting the adult Sunday school classes over the next few weeks to show you the curriculum and to put to rest any concerns you may have. I feel confident that you will see how this curriculum gives you all the guidance and ideas you will need to teach a class. Thank you.
Lord be with you. Let us pray together. God of wind, word, and fire, we bless your name this day for sending the light and strength of your Holy Spirit. May that same Spirit enable us to praise and witness to your love throughout all the earth through Jesus Christ, who lives with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. be seated and I direct you to the baptismal covenant insert and I'll direct the family to come up
come over this come over there to me so I can I can ask you these questions and then uh, then I'll get the baby okay hey there the church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship and the due ministration of God's word and sacraments the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline all edification of believers and the conversion of the world all of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. This one receiving the sacrament is marked as a Christian disciple and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. And our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So I need to ask you these questions because you're answering them on behalf of, the, of Eliza until she's able to in confirmation and uh, say them for herself. Do you in presenting this child for holy baptism reject all that is evil Repent of your sin, accept the freedom power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? To the congregation, I asked you as Christ's body, the church, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another into Christian faith and life? and include this person now before you in your care and surround her with a community of love and forgiveness. Let us pray. Eternal Father, your mighty acts of salvation have been made known through water from the movement of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and to those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know what? I think we might just baptize her right here. Okay. <laughs> Bring it up here so I can see. Eliza Stokes Burdett, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Those who have been baptized in the Christ Holy Church are welcome into this congregation of the United Methodist Church and just now child is now a preparatory member. So members of the household of God, I commend this child to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase her faith, confirm her hope, and perfect her in love, and let the congregation respond. We give thanks to all of God for giving you. We'll let you we'll let you we'll let you walk her down the house. Let me say a prayer. <laughs> I don't think she's going to go for me carrying her down here. Our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So let me offer a prayer for this child. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child, as she grows in years, may also grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the restraining, renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, she may ever be a true child of yours, serving thee faithfully all her days. So guide and uphold her parents and the sponsors, that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead her into that life of faith, whose strength is righteousness, whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, we're going to let her walk down the aisle instead of me trying to carry her and let the choir sing their song as she, they walk her down through there, okay? <laughs> Great. Thank you. Let's let the other children come forward now for our children. quizzes or anything this morning because it'd be all on you but we'll make it short and sweet okay last week Mr. Ralph talked about heroes and uh, he said that his heroes growing up were baseball players but I can tell you we have heroes here in this church um, as I brought this flag in this morning any idea why I might have brought a flag today you know any holiday that's coming up that's right, Memorial Day. And in Memorial Day, we celebrate the, uh, we remember or we memorialize those who lost their lives fighting for our country and fighting for our freedoms. And they made the ultimate sacrifice. But we have a lot of heroes here who have fought and, and have been serving for our country to offer us these freedoms so that we have a place to worship and we can come to church and we can uh, grow up to be whatever we want to be. We get to go to schools. But we remember the folks who paid the ultimate price and lost their lives to give us that freedom. But there's also a story a long time before the wars, which they were still having wars then, but it was before our country was founded, of a man who also gave up his life for our freedoms. And that was our freedom to be able to live uh, without or through sin. And that's when Jesus gave up his life and he made the ultimate sacrifice. So when we celebrate Memorial Day, we need to remember all those that fought and, and died for our country, but we also want to remember Jesus making the ultimate sacrifice and uh, dying for our sins. So we'll say a quick prayer and then head back, okay? Dear Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to have a place to live in a free country. Thank you for giving us the men and women who serve to uh, protect us and to keep us free. We thank you for sending Jesus here on this earth so that he could ultimately die for our sins and give us freedom and life eternally. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to give you a quick report about Brett uh, Clay Camp. He's, uh, Lee has been keeping us posted on Facebook, and I know not all of you are on Facebook, but um, he's doing really well. He's been up walking and stuff, and he's progressing, and so we're very thankful for that, and I want you to continue to pray for Brett and Lee and Catherine and everyone who's, uh, uh, who is concerned and, and, and a part of that family. Let us pray. O Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are worthy of our praise and our thanksgiving. And we come before you now with our petitions and our prayers and our confessions. We confess that even though we know you are a creating God and that your glory is made manifest in all that we can see, that the works of your hands are on the mountains and in the skies and the seas, that you made us to reflect your glory, we must confess we're not a glorious people. We have done things that dishonor you. And so we pray, O Lord, this day that you would take away the stain of our sin as we repent and pray for mercy. Withhold your righteous punishment and restore us and your creation to declare your majesty. Your love has been poured out into, the heart, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And on this Trinity Sunday in which we are reminded of the, final, of the complete revelation of you to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on this day in which we've seen the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of our graduates from college and high school. On this day in which we see the Holy Spirit at work and already in the life of this child that's been baptized. And we pray, O Lord, also for all those men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice as we pause and think about Memorial Day tomorrow. We pray, O Lord, for all those who stand in harm's way to protect our freedoms. We carry in our hearts many who face problems with body, mind, and spirit. We have many listed on our prayer list. We pray, Lord, for each one of those and for those that are in our hearts now. We pray, O Lord, that you'd grant them endurance through their suffering and relief from pain. We pray for all those who struggle with the afflictions of the Spirit, especially, O Lord, we pray that you'd grant them hope. And just if you've poured out your love in our hearts, so pour out your compassion and be present with those who are alone, give peace to those who are troubled, and give comfort to those who are dying and them that mourn. We pray, O God, that you'd hear us and answer us. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
please be seated. In Proverbs chapter 8, beginning at verse 22, is a description of one of God's first creations, wisdom. Give attention to the reading of God's word. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. And when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before God made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. I was there when God set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, and when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters could not overstep its, his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with the light day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our world is short of wisdom. We need to be reminded that your wisdom has been from the very foundations of the world. And we pray, oh Lord, that you'd guide us and help us to understand uh, how we can be wiser and how we can fulfill your commission you have called us as disciples, and how we can uplift each other and build up this place of mission that God has entrusted us with. We pray in your name. Amen. Proverbs itself is often called the book of wisdom, and there's lots of good wisdom in it. You should read it some days, not a large, uh, long book and look at some of the Proverbs that are there. Many of them will be familiar to you. The source of all wisdom, as I just said, is God. And this wisdom was perfectly demonstrated in the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today, to worship Christ as Lord. This is also, as I said, Trinity Sunday, when God's revelation of himself is complete. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's, it's also, as we talked about, Graduation Sunday, Memorial Sunday, but it's another Sunday than that. It's all, only two weeks from annual conference. And many have been asking me, what's going on? What's happening? What's going to happen with annual conference? Well, at annual conference, I fully expect to be reappointed for a second year. But as we finish up this first year, I wanted to share a few nuggets of wisdom uh, that I've gleaned through the years in church, church life. I have served several churches around the conference, different parts of the state. And first thing I will tell you is I'm an upstate, upcountry guy, and so my affinity is with hill country, upstate type of people. But the churches around this conference are all very, very different. And the people across our state are all very, very different. And they come at things in lots of different ways and different cultures. Having served in those different places, I think, has allowed me to come up with some things that should be shared with people. I don't share this uh, at the beginning of a pastorate. I, I usually try to share it at the beginning of the second year. But first I want to share with you something I call the 80-20 rule. I think it applies in this sermon. It especially applies in church life. It probably applies in, to life in general. The 80-20 rule states that basically that the greater part of any activity draws on, upon but a small fraction of the whole resources. Joy mentioned that in her plea for volunteers. In other words, 80% of all that gets done, especially in the church, is usually done by about 20% of the people. 
And about 80% of our brain power is never used, even though some of us think otherwise. That's, at least that's what Brenda tells me. And 80% of what I know about living the life of faith, and this is really important, has never been shared. Because I only get to talk about it a few hours each week. And 80% of what I will probably tell you today, I will probably leave out. In other words, whether we like it or not, we get around to, to only about 20% of what we really want to do in any given enterprise. Now, at one time in my life, I thought this was awful. I thought it was terrible. But as I grow older, I understand that that's not necessarily so bad. It's just the way things work out. And now, I, and I hope that you uh, come along and think the same way as I do, that I don't worry about it so much that only 20% of my brain is working. I know, or that 20% of anything ever really works hard at whatever we're trying to accomplish. Because I know that God is not limited by these human frailties. God's wisdom is from the beginning. And God's wisdom works at 100% day in, day out. God is on duty, if you will, 24-7. And I thank him for that, and I, I know you do too. And God can use, that, that means that God can use our meager offering, this 20% that we really offer up, God can use that to work much good. And so these nuggets of wisdom or just that, a few nuggets. God will guide us. God will continue to guide us. It matters not who stands before you. God will guide us. God, God guides us individually. God guides us collectively as a church. God's at work. Our main job is to have faith and to be open to God's leading. But I want to share with you a few things that I want you to do with me this coming year. First of all, is I want you to pray more. You need to be a praying people. We need to be a praying church. Now, we have a prayer team, and I know that we have a prayer at every service, and we have a prayer every time we open up a meeting or have a meal, but we need to be individually and collectively praying people. We live in a world from one week to the next. We don't know what disaster will confront us. Just since we met last week, we have seen the terrible disaster in Oklahoma. We've heard about the, the terrible terrorist act to the young soldier in England. And I could go on and on. From week to week, we need to be prayed up so we can confront and go through and, and live through the things that may confront us. So we need to be praying people. And I asked you to pray specifically for the staff of this church, and for me. You know, this is a big job. It has big expectations. It has big stresses. I just recently read another article, and every time we're gathered as clergy, they remind us of this over and over, that the clergy in this country are burnt out. The vast majority of clergy uh, are suffering from all kinds of things, from depression, from sickness, from taking early retirement because they're burnt out. The reason they're burnt out is because more and more congregations want to just hear someone tell them something that makes them feel good, not to confront them with the truth of the gospel. And so it's important that you pray for me daily. Whatever strengths I have, I need power beyond myself to operate. So pray for me daily. Pray for our staff daily. Second thing I want you to remember is that ministry is a team concept. It, it takes a team of people to do things. Uh, our staff and me need not just suggestions. We need service, not just problems. We need solutions. A minister and a staff cannot do all that needs to be done in any parish without the help of the disciples. Third is be positive. Uh, look for positive solutions. You know, when somebody in our staff does something right, or when I do something right, or when this church does something right, we need to tell others about it. We need to tell the person. We need to tell others. 
I tell you, believe me, there are plenty of naysayers and plenty of people who will go around and only talk about all that the minister or the staff is not doing. Okay? We have plenty of that. What we need is more of boy. You did good. That's what we want to do. Our church did good. Fourth little bit of wisdom for you for next year is make sure that you, if you have a need, if you have a pastoral need or a prayer need, uh, if you need, if you have any kind of need, uh, you need to let us know. Uh, there's, you know, we're not mind readers, and so oftentimes in the office we find out about things way after the fact, and we wonder uh, if the person who went through the situation what they must be thinking. So if you have a need, let us know. And remember that member care is everybody's responsibility. I have, as I said, served several churches. And I have not had one church yet where someone didn't come up to me and say that they were hurt because the person on their pew didn't check with them when they were out or when they were sick. Those people you share the pew with are, are your closest deeper deepest relationships in this church and if you see somebody missing that usually sits with you on the pew don't wait for the staff or wait for some committee to take care of that call them find out what's going on in their life um, many many years ago when I was a member uh, of a church and not a, a member of the laity and not a member of the clergy I can remember uh, one of our Sunday school classes that I was part of decided that we'd take it upon ourselves to call uh, those that were missing uh, in the pews of our pews. In other words, we had a pretty large class, and we didn't necessarily sit together, but we did sit all around the church. And so we decided that we pretty much knew who was there. And so we one day just decided we'd do that. I'll never forget that, the, that how I felt. I, 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 I want to admit to you that I was nervous because... Believe it or not, I was kind of a shy, introverted person. I didn't really like to use the phone and call up people. I didn't really like public speaking. Um, this, God will take care of that if you open your heart and mind to it. But I was, when, I, when I was given this list of numbers, and I started the first number, and it, no one answered at all. And I, and I was like, thank you, Lord, because <laughs> I swear to having to talk to somebody. The second one, I got an answer machine, so I did all right. I get left a message on the answer machine. The third one, I had a live person, and I stumbled through who I was and where I was calling, why I was calling, and I was a member of the church and that, that she attended, and we just had missed you and wonder about you. And she began to pour out and tell me of all the things that she had been encountering the last few weeks, the reason she hadn't been there, and it was amazing how much gratitude, emotion came out from her to have heard from one of the people that sat on the pews with her. And I remember in the conversation, I said, do I need to let the pastor know? Oh, the pastor's called me. I've talked to the pastor. She, she, it meant more to her for me to have called her than it did the pastor. Pastors are expected to call people. But when you call somebody and you check on them, it means so much more. Finally, remember that the staff and the minister has a life apart from the congregation. Uh, respect their need for privacy and time away. Ministers are burnt out because they don't take time away to get their spiritual and physical batteries charged. And remember to let the staff and let the minister express their uniqueness and experience. Be open to new ideas and new eyes that see things differently. I had a very wise district superintendent when I first started. He continues to uh, participate in the life of this congregation. And he told me one time that he could tell just by driving into a parking lot whether or not that church had a spiritual problem or not. And I, I think that, that, that so I say that so you know that a person with a different set of eyes can see things that maybe you see every day and you can't see. 
Remember, we're all different. We have different gifts God has given us to share, and I'm going to preach about that. It was a request. I had two requests, by the way, for sermons. One was to preach on hell. I'll warn you ahead of time. And the other one was to preach about spiritual gifts, and I'm getting ready to do that coming up soon. But you know one of the strengths that we have as United Methodists, I believe, more, this is the strongest thing about our denomination, is the fact of our itinerant system. We have men and women deployed around this conference on an annual basis, year to year. That's all the ministers are appointed is from one year to the next. That's not, that's it. That's all. And we know that time comes and you, they send you somewhere and then you there maybe three, four, five, six, seven, whatever years, and then you get sent somewhere else. And one of the strongest things about that is nobody has to get mad to change the pastor. The pastor don't have to get mad to change the church. There doesn't have to be a split. And what it does is one of our members just the other day said to me that, you know, growing up in a Methodist church, we always knew that we were going to have a few ministers that were, well, they weren't the best ones, okay? But it didn't bother us too much because we knew that a few years passed, we'd get another one. And so you can you receive a rich uh, the average lay person, I believe, comes to know a rich variety of people that God has called into the ministry because of our system. And the minister gets a chance to encounter people of all walks of life and different cultures across this state. And I think that's one of the strengths of our denomination. I always like to tell people that remember that God must have had some reason for the leaders that are in front of you. Even if you can't figure it out, give God the benefit of the doubt. I like to tell people, and I want to tell you as I begin this second year coming up, that I've always felt like that I had something to learn from every congregation, that God taught me something, and I always felt like I had something to teach that congregation. I've always felt like that as long as we're both coachable, we can do great things for the kingdom of God. It's so important for us to do great things for the kingdom of God. You know, our loyalty is not to a minister our loyalty is not to a staff person. Our loyalty is not to a particular ministry or mission. You know, our loyalty is not to this building. Our loyalty belongs to Jesus Christ and his holy church. I'll tell you that in one of the appointments I had, I had quite a contentious church. And I remember that people were constantly coming in. They had little factions that were constantly bickering at each other and they'd come in won't talk to me about it and I remember that I had a picture of Jesus Christ in front of me so when they were sitting there in front of my desk I could see Jesus but behind me was a picture of the church so when they were looking at me they saw a picture of the church and I come to thinking that you know that's their whole problem right there and so I switched the pictures <laughs> I put Jesus where they could see Jesus so when they came in and sat down to me they saw Jesus behind my back and I was looking at the church I want you to know that changed a whole lot of the way people acted. Sometimes people act up, even with ministers. Focus on Jesus Christ. Your loyalty belongs to Jesus Christ and nobody else. Don't focus on what might be happening in other parts of the denomination. Focus on what's happening here and now, and your loyalty belongs to Jesus. And if you're clear on that, everything else works out. And finally, let me just say this. Whatever you do, operate from a standpoint of love. It's okay to, it's okay to have a, a, something you want to discuss that's really important on your heart. But it's also important the way you do it. And whatever you do, make sure you're at peace when you finish. Make sure you're still friends. That's the way, really, to handle any kind of disagreement. Love the staff here, love the pastor, in good times as well. And just remember that a call of a pastor is a covenant, not a contract. A contract is when we hire somebody. A covenant's like we got married. So whether you like it or not, we got married for a few years, for better, for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. So I just asked you today to, to be wise, to be wise and know how important it is to pray daily to be prayed up so you can confront whatever it is the world throws at you. And along in those prayers, pray for me. 
Pray for our staff. Pray for our church. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Open your hearts, your minds, and the doors to Christ, and everything else will work out. And let me just say that I want to say that Brenda wanted me to express to you when I told her the sermon I was going to kind of preach today. By the way, I, I preached a different sermon at 9 o'clock. If any of y'all went to 9 o'clock service going, this is not what he preached at 9. I preached about the graduates at 9 o'clock. Brenda and I want to tell you that this past year, you have overwhelmed us with love and care, especially during her time of sicknesses. Her health is good now, and mine is good, and we appreciate your prayers, and we hope they continue. And we hope and look forward to uh, working in ministry with you uh, uh, more and more. And hopefully she'll be able to come and uh, share the pulpit. We'll be able to uh, switch off and let her preach to you again this coming year. And I, go, and I, can, go, and I can go down to Emma uh, uh, Gray in, uh, in Woodruff. Finally, let me just thank you. Thank you for your presence. Your membership vows that were taken many years ago and and most people forgot what they were, but they're included in, in, what, in the liturgies and in things and, and like uh, uh, the other day when we were doing um, the confirmation, I hope you heard it clearly that your presence, your, your gifts, your service, your witness, all these things are part of your membership vows. And I pray that you you will continue to be faithful to Christ's church. Focus on Jesus Christ, and he will get us where we need to be. Amen. Receive now the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty, Eternal, Triune God. 
One God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.